Welcome to the Riverwood Chapel podcast. We're so excited you're here. Please check out our other content and video uploads at riverwoodchapel.org. Thank you. Well, with all that is going on in this week, it seems like a good week to start off with a cartoon. So here it is on the screen. Let's look at it together. I'll read it to you. Uh, As we're kind of looking at it, there's a man who's looking at his TV screen, and he says, the TV says, Are you tired all the time? Why, yes, I am. Are you easily agitated? You bet I am. Nauseous? Oh. Then you might be suffering from chronic campaign fatigue. I totally have that. Unfortunately, there is no cure for CCF. What? And now back to the campaign. I demand to know which candidate will make CCF a top priority. Anybody else feeling the CCF today? Well, as we gather together in the midst of all that is crazy, all the things that are happening, all the things that are upside down in our world, let me remind you this morning as we gather together with God's Word, a little bit later in the book of Romans, chapter 13, it says this, For there is no authority. There is no authority. And we can include lots of authorities in that, and even political authorities. There is no authority except from God. And those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Let's remind ourselves of that, of all that we're experiencing, all the unending news cycles, all of the things of polls and phone blasts and media blitzes and all of those things. Let's remind ourselves what God's Word says to us this morning. And so as we come into this space, I want your heart to be able to rest in that. Rest in that. Of all the stresses of this world, recognizing that there is an authority that we will hear from today that is above every other authority. And so let me pray for us as we begin. Dear God, open up our hearts to see your word this morning. Of all the things that capture our attention and capture our, our hearts, we want the authority of your word to capture our heart this morning. So allow us to be open to see that in your, in your ways that you provide through your word, the Bible. And so thank you. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles together. Um, if you have it with you, you have a journal with you, uh, open it up and let's read together. Um, and I'll read it. I want you to see God's word this morning. And what we're going to do is read from chapter 5. And if you're new to our church, you haven't been here in a while, uh, no worries, because what we're about to look at is really a great summary of where we have been so far in the book of Romans. And so we're going to see it together, picking up in verse 12 of chapter 5. And uh, this is what God's Word says. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, 
even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. All right, so in the text, Paul keeps building on with these therefores. Remember, what is the therefore? Therefore, he keeps building and linking about what he has been speaking about in the previous four chapters and even into chapter five. And if you remember chapter four, Paul was reaching all the way back to the time of Abraham, linking the conversation there. Now he's going back even further into a conversation that goes all the way back to the very origins of humanity, all the way back to the time of Adam, into the beginning chapters of Genesis. And so you're probably wondering, well, what is this story that Paul is alluding to? Uh, of, of, he talks about how of sin and death and transgression. Like, what's that all about? So for a moment, let's go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. And at the end of chapter 2, there is God in the midst of creation, where he is making everything. And he is now taking everything into account. And the declaration is this. Everything he had made was not just good, but the Bible says it's what? Very good. And that is the summary of the world. Without sin, without pain, without death, it was paradise. We can only imagine what that was like in Genesis chapter 2. But that's what we believe, that the world was perfect, perfect relationships, an incredible moment. But then on the heels of this chapter is chapter 3 in Genesis, where we then have the temptation of Satan and Eve uh, to Adam and Eve, and they're going against what God had declared to be very good. And the serpent speaking to Adam says this, did God actually say you shouldn't eat of any tree in the garden? Is that really what he said? And what follows from there, I'll spare all of the detail, but what follows from there is Adam and Eve going directly against what God had established. And from that point, everything changed. And I mean everything Everything changed from that moment. We're now not in paradise. We're now in a world that is filled with struggle and suffering and pain in, in all aspects of life. And so in chapter 3, verse 19, this is really what the summary. There's also a very new reality that has now come into the world. And Here's what it says in chapter 3, verse 19. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall reign. And so what is this new reality in this world? Death. It's right there. You came from dust and you will enter back into the ground as dust. Now, the other day I was overhearing my wife speaking to her, to her parents, my in-laws, about their voting experience. 
And so they were talking about how they went in their county to the poll, and they had voted, and you get to that moment where you're then ready to feed it into the machine, and it wouldn't work. So they told everybody to come back later. And so they then went back an hour later, or a couple hours later, and it still wasn't working. And then they went back again, and it finally worked. And so I'm hearing this out of kind of the corner of uh, my ear and my subconscious, and this is what I am thinking in that moment. And you're probably thinking that too. Wow, I was glad that wasn't my experience. <laughs> I had much different experience. And you kind of, kind of chalk that up to what you experienced, and it was different, and you move on because it really wasn't your story. And I think there are many who read the verses that I just read out of Romans, and you're probably thinking, oh, Adam lived a long time ago. That's not my story. But this morning, I'm here to tell you this is our story. This is your story. What I just read about what happened thousands of years ago is exactly your story. And if your subconscious was kind of like, eh, I don't need to listen to that, let me draw your attention again to the verses we just read. In verse 12, Paul said, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man a long, long time ago, notice what he says, and death through sin came, and so death spread to you, and you, and you, 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 me, to all men, because all of us are sinful people. A few verses later, Paul will say this in verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience, the many, the many, that's you, me, all of us, the many were made sinners. Again, a new reality for all those who have ever lived, who have walked this planet. That is our story of unrighteousness that Paul has been talking about through the first four chapters. Through and through, we are sinful people. And so in these few verses, Paul's telling the story that traces itself all the way back to Adam. And a great question to ask is this. What is really our connection? I mean, thousands of years ago, what is really our connection to Adam? Is there really that strong of a connection or, or not? And it's interesting because as we ask that question, there's a historical story where people wrestled with this in a very decisive way. And it really happened just 400 years after the time of Jesus Christ. There's a historical narrative that I want you to be aware of um, that took place. And it's really a, a story about two men who lived in a long time ago, 1,600 years ago. And the man on the left, um, his name is Pelagius, and the man on the right was Augustine. And you're thinking, wow, what a great era to live where you just had to have one name and people knew you, right? But in the setting of this time era, the Roman Empire was crumbling I mean, the Roman Empire that was about Paul was now 400 years later on the edges of disappearing. And people were fleeing and going to different places. And one of those places, which was very convenient to get to, was northern Africa. And people were going to these places to now live. And so this is where this encounter happened between these two men. 
And the first, again, his name was Pelagius. He was a monk. He was one who was well-educated. He spent time reaching out to the poor. And then the one on the right is Augustine. He was the, the bishop of Hippo, which was the area of where he lived. He was well-educated as well. And the debate came to the forefront. And the question was really, what is the connection between Adam and humanity? These two did battle on this question. And the exact passage we're looking at out of Romans 5 was the centerpiece of this massive theological battle. And so Pelagius, on one hand, said this, our connection to Adam, let's just say he was a bad example he wasn't such a great example, and now as human beings, we either follow that example or we don't follow that example. That's really our choice. And so again, Adam becomes kind of the example from history that human beings can follow or not. Now, Augustine, he heard of Pelagius's idea of the connection of Adam, and he said, hold on, no, 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 it is much different Adam wasn't just a bad example that we followed a long, long time ago. He used much different words. He says he's actually our representative. He is the one that we are included in. We had participation. We, as human beings who lived thousands of years after, we had participation in what Adam did a long, long time ago. He's not just a mere example. He is our representative. He's our man. And there, because of that, there is now this transfer of guilt. There is this transfer of sin. And as one writer would say it, he would say this, to Augustine, humanity is like the dead man at the bottom of the ocean. To Pelagius, humanity is like, humanity is like treading water. And the man is now able to climb out of the boat by himself. You see the difference? One totally dead in transgression and sin, and one who is able to kind of swim your way out of it and rescue yourself. Who was right? Who was right? I know what Riverwood people are asking now. You're saying, well, what do the scriptures say? Right? That's the right question. Let's go to the scriptures, not just historically, but who was right? If you skip down to verse 12, it makes it so clear in Romans. It says that death spread to all men because all sinned. And the commentators agree that this death that we experience isn't just physical death, but there is a spiritual death that is happening that all of us relate to and experience and the effects on humanity are, are pure devastation. And in verse 14, Paul says that death reigned. Death reigned. This idea of reigned is the same word of, of kingdom. There is a, a kingdom that we are a part of. The kingdom of death. The kingdom of Adam is ruling in our lives from the very, very beginning. And humanity isn't just following Adam out of a bad example. No, there is unrighteousness that is reigning in every single one of us. And if you've been along for the ride for the book of Romans, you're like, that's exactly what Paul has been saying from week 
two to about week eight in this series, he's been hammering home that we are people who are broken at every level, unrighteous. Let me say it this way. I know we're in the season of of political signs that end up in people's yards, but if your heart, your soul, had room for a, a sign, you know what the sign would say? The sign would say something like this. Adam's my man. I'm voting for him. He's my representative. He is the one I am following. And as time would pass from the time of Pelagius and Augustine and this topic of connection of what is a real connection to Adam, there was one who was labeled and still is as someone who had false teachings and a heretic. And that one was Pelagius. It's interesting. Pelagianism even still makes its way into modern-day religion and culture. I'm not going to go into it, but just think about this for a second. Man earning his way and being able to figure out and overcome by himself is very popular in lots of world religions and in our culture. Pelagius would have a, a welcome in our own culture if he was here today. But that's not what the scriptures teach us. So let's keep reading, because Paul doesn't just leave us in this idea of Adam is our man. Uh, The humanity of, of Adam, the reign of death and sin in the kingdom of condemnation, he continues on. And this is the good news you need to hear this morning. Verse 15 continues and says this, But, 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 but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace that come that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to to condemnation for all men, So one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that, as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul begins this new section with that great contrasting word, but. And in this section is now the contrast between Adam and a different man, a different representative His name, Jesus Christ. 
And what is also replete in this section is what the second man offers. You can't miss it. It's about this free gift. It's mentioned five times. This free gift is not like this. This free gift is this. This free gift. Free gift. Free gift. And he's repeating this so we understand exactly what this, what the platform of this new man is all about. This one man, Adam, had a reign and a kingdom of death and sin, but now there is a new reign, a different connection, a different kingdom, and the defining word here is really the kingdom of life. You see that? Life. There's a reign through that one man that was about death and transgression and sin, and now this reign of this free gift of this different man is about a reign, about a kingdom that's about giving life. And so in these verses, Paul details the difference of these kingdoms. And what we need to realize is that the work of of Jesus and his kingdom is not equally opposite to the first kingdom. If you're reading like, oh, it's kind of like a a negative 10, and then Jesus makes it a positive 10, that's not what Paul is talking about here. He's saying if if there is a negative 10 on on the scale of what Adam brings, There is a positive 10 billion about what Christ brings. Notice the words. He says it's powerful. This this rain, this gift, this free gift is about this thing called the grace of God. Think about that. What you don't deserve, we've talked about it, what we deserve is punishment and separation from God and death. That's exactly what we deserve. But that's not what we receive when we have Jesus Christ in our lives, the grace of God. The other thing it brings is this thing called justification. There's a legal declaration that says, you're free. How is that even possible? I got to pay my penalty for being in Adam. And the reign of Christ says, you're free. And in verse 21, it's even more beautiful. He says, it's going to lead to this thing called eternal life. Not death in its finality, but a life in its vibrancy. It is incredibly different, awesomely different to have Jesus Christ a part of your life. Think about this. For all those who I know who are hunters in the crowd, I know we have many, those who are watching, you think about taking life is one thing, but the ability to give life to something that is dead is miraculous. That's what Paul's talking about here. Taking life is one thing. Giving life to what is dead. There's only one who can do that. His name is Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to recognize that during our third hour, for those who are watching, um, you can come back during our third hour at our 11:15 service. Uh, we're going to have a baptism today, and that's exactly what this story is of this tank. If you think about it, you have the person who is standing in the water, and they go under, and that's that tells the story of our life of in Adam all the way back. It traces all the way back to Adam. Transgression and sin is our story. 
and you go under the water. But then you get to the next piece. But Christ. But Christ. And you come out of the water. There is life coming from death. It is a, a, a miraculous story that only God can provide through his son, Jesus Christ. There is life that comes from death by his grace through this idea of being declared forgiven and free that has the promise coming out of the water to say, yes, and even one day I will be with him forever. And so this morning you're actually going to be able to hear the stories for all those who are here now and those who are watching. This is the story that, that Donna and the story that Abby want to tell. Those are the ones who are being baptized. That is their story. They are a new creation in Christ. Their, their representative is not the old Adam. Their representative is Jesus Christ. And so for those who are here in this moment, those who are watching, let me ask this question. Is that your story? Is that your story? See, that's going to be their story, but is that your story? You see, your story is either this. I'm with Adam, or I'm with Christ. I'm with Adam in the reign in, in his kingdom. And a lot of times we don't see that that kingdom is really about death and separation. Or are you in the kingdom of Christ? A different representative, a different allegiance. And it only comes through the free gift that is offered to all by faith. It's not something that you can produce, not something that you can manufacture on your own. You can't buy it. It only comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. Have you accepted this free gift into your life? Today just might be that day. Your heart is open and seeing that your true representative may be Adam. Maybe today in this moment he is saying, it doesn't have to be like that. Maybe today is that day he is saying, your new representative is Jesus Christ. Be open to how he might be speaking to you in this moment. Now, for those who sit here who know Jesus Christ, and maybe some who are watching at home, there is more to this passage that needs to challenge us. I know it has challenged me for sure this week. And as I think about the, the kingdom of Adam and the kingdom of Christ, I can't help but think about the dominance in our own world, in our own culture of the kingdom of Adam. I think about those who are in my own life, those who live next door to me, those who are in our extended family, those who are in our own neighborhoods. And I think as I walk my life with theirs, and I think about the influence of the kingdom of Adam, it's dominating. It's dominating. And this week, this passage has whispered this into my head. Cole, are you okay with that? 
Are you okay with that? See, as I walk through life, I see the signs of people's hearts that say, I'm an Adam. I'm an Adam. Death and separation and sin, that's who my representative is. And here I am walking through life. And this passage is whispering to me to say, are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? And even as we broaden that, as we think about the people in our own communities, people walking the campus of Kent State, the people who walk the streets of Cuyahoga Falls, who are in our own town of, of Stowe and Kent, all these people who have as their representative Adam. Are we okay with that? And as a church, are, are we okay just kind of sitting back and saying, oh, well, that's just how it is? Or is there something that speaks to us to say, no, this isn't right? You see, this past week I've seen a lot of political passion. My question is this, where is our, our gospel passion See, our political passion is just another version of Adam, is it not? Let's tell the better story of the Adam world. Imperfect people, imperfect institutions. Let's talk about the one who is perfect, who has real answers for people. A gospel passion for the one who we want to have dominance in our community, don't we? We want this, right? And if the answer is yes, then the next question is this. Where, where do we start on this? It seems so dominating. The, the yards of all of the people we know mostly are, I'm with Adam. It seems like, how do you turn that tide? What, what do you do? Where do you even begin? God's word has the answer for us because I was thinking about that question and thinking about Jesus and his disciples and can you imagine in that moment the world was against them. And as I go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is there telling his disciples, this is what it's going to be like. And very shortly he was going to have them go into the world, into the world of Adam But before they would go, he would say, you, you need to pray about this. You need to pray. And so that is the beginning step of going out into a world that seems so dominated by Adam to say, we're going to pray about this. And notice the prayer he gives them. He says, I need you to pray that our Father who is in heaven, we're, we're going to recognize that he is the one who is in control, not the authorities of this world, not your political party. That is not what is in control. Who is really in control is our Father who is in heaven. His name is hallowed above all other names. And here's what we're going to be praying for. Your reign is going to come right here. See the word? Kingdom. Reign. Kingdom. Reign. All the way back to Romans chapter 5. Same exact word. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
please, Lord, your kingdom come. Your reign in this Adam world is what we are praying for. Will you join me in praying for it? I'm, I'm challenging all who are, are here this morning to think of one person that you will pray for for the next 30 days. Just one person, and it's a simple prayer. It says something like this, Dear God, may your kingdom come into the life of... For 30 days, that simple prayer to remind us that we're going to be praying. This is the starting point. This is how this is going to begin. This reign of Christ is going to begin with his people on our knees asking for him to do what we cannot do. Dear God, please, please, please may your kingdom come into the heart of, and maybe it's somebody you go to school with, somebody who lives next door. Some, think of someone you're thinking, there is no possible way that this could ever happen because we want to see God do immeasurably more. And at the same time as you're praying for that person, let me ask you to also be praying for this. Be praying for your community. Whatever community you live in, Stowe, Kent, Talmadge, Cuyahoga Falls, Hudson, wherever it is, dear God, please come and do a mighty work in Stowe, in Kent, in Talmadge. Do a mighty work that only you can do. And I'm convinced that if 500 people and those who are watching online are praying this for the next 30 days, we're going to watch our God do incredible things. It's not just about being comfortable with the reign of Adam. It's about praying desperately for the reign of Christ. And so let's pray to those ends. Dear God, we come to you this morning to celebrate the truth and the truths that we rest in. We don't rest at the end of the day in political rightness or wrongness. We rest in the sovereignty of the one who is in control. And so, Lord, remind us of that even this morning as we gather together as your people. We pray for your reign in the lives of the people who claim Adam as their representative. And in this moment, we're thinking, how is that even going to happen? I can't even connect the dots. Yet you are the one who connects those dots. We trust you implicitly because we know that our own story isn't one that we earned, that we manufactured. You spoke into our lives life. You brought death. You brought life where there was death. And we give you thanks. And we want to see you do it again over and over and over again right here in our own community. And so, Lord, we pray that desperate kind of prayer this morning that you would do the work, the hard work of rescue, of restoration, of bringing shalom, to bringing the truth of the gospel into the lives of of people who do not know you. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your reign come into the lives and into the life of our community. 
please. We invite you to do that kind of work this morning. We pray all this by the power of your son's name, Jesus Christ.